You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Alex Barr from Currency Cloud. And today I'm joined by Ben Parker, CEO of eFlow. How are you, Ben? Very well, thanks, Alex, and thank you for having me. Not at all. Thanks for joining us. Um, where are you in the world? I'm based uh, actually out in Berkshire at the moment, so enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, so you okay. should. So yeah. you should. Fridays, it's almost oh, it's almost at an end. No, it's great to have you on with us today, Ben. For our listeners, we'd love to know a little bit about you, love to know a little bit about eFlow. Great, yeah. So I've been the CEO of eFlow since 2015. Formed uh, eFlow as one of the original founders in 2004. My background is um, middle and back office solutions um, and solution architecture, um, mostly in investment banking. Uh, I did that for about five years uh, prior to joining eFlow. A bit about eFlow itself, we provide um, solutions or cloud-based solutions for vast array of the, the financial markets. It stems from banks to uh, brokers, asset managers, sort of traditional asset managers, more sort of new age ones, uh, neo brokers and digital banks as well. So we've sort of seen the whole um, spectrum uh, across the last 20 years. And the sort of things that we're providing are uh, solutions that in a, in a nutshell either archive, analyze or report da- vast amounts of um, big data, if you will. Um, and there'll be sort of things like uh, prevention of financial fraud in, in the case of money laundering, market manipulation, And we also report any requirements to various regulators, might be central banks, as well as um, repositories as well. Um, So we're essentially helping our customers do the bits that that they don't want to do sort of at the the end of the um, either money payments or trade lifecycle. So that's where we fit into things. And then just a bit about how we formed the company. It was a bit of a family affair. Both my mother and brother were also working in various areas of the markets. We came together and and provided... um, trade lifecycle solutions or middleware solutions for investment banks. Um, We successfully exited that business. It was a company called Cathox um, that exited in just before eFlow to Reuters. And we saw, a, and I'd seen this in my previous life, uh, the frustrations around all of the regulatory requirements that were coming. And and there's just been a snowball effect over the last 20 years um, since the sort of formulation, especially in the UK, of the FSA as it was. And so we thought we saw a gap in the market and we felt that there was a way to scale our products, but actually we took the regulatory route because some of our traditional banking customers, they didn't want to uh, move to the cloud. They didn't see the, um, they, they were too scared of it and et cetera in those early days. Um, and funnily enough, when it came to regulation, they were more willing to release the data for regulatory solutions. Um, so we had things like, you know, what now yeah, any, anybody looking at GDPR would freak at the sort of things that we were being handed um, that the banks sure. were happily put into cloud solutions. So we saw that um, opportunity and, and 2000, since 2008, that really was a, um, a lift up for us, uh, the financial crisis, because since then, um, RegTech has benefited from essentially being carved out of the um, the fintech market. And, and yeah, absolutely, and, yeah, yeah. I was going to say you've been through some transformative, like the like twenty years of like very transformative years, I suppose, in the regulatory RegTech fintech space. I, I'm, I'd love to know your views on like the evolution of of, well, of watching it from the reg, the regulatory side. Has there been some what other than the financial crisis, which is an obvious one in two thousand eight? Yeah. 
What what are those key evolution points that you've seen over over those two decades? Well, I, I think that uh, the formation of you know going back a while now, but the formation of the FCA originally, so giving the power to independent regulators away from central banks, etc. I think that that had a significant effect on um, where whether it was outward or inward looking in terms of um, the importance of, of regulation, and then there was a significant move. Um, and, and, and regulation obviously is always to protect the, um, the you know, we're not protecting the institutional investor necessarily. It's the, the retail investor or um, the retail market that we're, we're trying to protect is the, the sort of the person at the bottom who's potentially the most um, influenced. Mm. And then I think that where we've seen um, just significant moves to um, regulation around um, or whether it be payments, uh, whether it be, all sorts of different uh, regulations. I think it's been driven mostly by those regulators. And, and in fact, what we've seen is that a lot of the firms never really had a budget for regulation or regulatory um, projects or reg tech, et cetera, when we yeah. first started out. And then probably post 08, um, we're talking about huge budgets now. Um, and I don't have the figures to hands, but we, we know that the significant investment in the reg tech space um, you know, Reuters did a report last year where they expect there to be um, by 2030 upwards of 25 billion investment by the sort of top 10% of, um, of firms across the market in reg tech. So, you know, there's, it's been a, a massive evolution over that time. Yeah. And I mean, regulation has always been there, right? Um, yeah. in, in, in shapes or forms across different jurisdictions. I'm keen on your views on um, why over the last years you think reg, the word reg tech, as with all these buzzwords, but the, the, the world of reg tech has only like started to properly take off now. I'm keen on your views on why you think that is. Well, I, I think it is directly linked to fintech, the growth in fintech. Um, so, you know, where we've seen this um, explosion of a lot of services around that infrastructure or ecosystem that um, facilitate, whether it be payments, whether it be insure tech, whether it be uh, access to wealth tech, you, you've essentially seen that there has, to, there has to be a requirement to have specialists working mm -hmm. in that reg tech space. And also, you, you know, if you expect to have turnkey solutions in, in the rest of the ecosystem, you have to also have turnkey solutions in the regulatory part because it is part of the whole process. Um, yeah. And so there ha there's just been that, that you know, that, that investment in that. And, you know, um, some of the probably our joint customers, that they, they struggle with the whole sort of KYC and onboarding, um, mm. you know, and you can't let that be a barrier to business. And so that's why RegTech has had to grow up almost um, as, as it's been, there's been this boom in fintech. Yeah. Do you find that you, you're having to think about the next evolutions or already like preparing for the next evolutions of, of RegTech, only one from a finance, um, from a regulator, regulator point of view, but also like you're surrounded by very innovative startups doing different things. It must be not difficult, but it must be challenging to be on the cutting edge and relevant all the time from that point of view. It is. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we find with RegTech is we either have the reactionary, so that the regulation stipulates that we have to um, deliver a certain amount of data for reporting purposes, that we're mm. reporting on transactions uh, taking place. But then there's the other side of things where you, you're trying to prevent financial crime so effectively you are you're trying to stay ahead of a market which is always going to be ahead of you anyway the, the old poacher gamekeeper type of approach sure um and so uh, one of the biggest challenges is just data there's so much more data and it's not just the volume of it it's the breadth of all of that across the market so we we you know one of the areas that we're you know we're working in at the moment is um financial crime around all of the different data points that you could be looking at 
in relation to a transaction out there. So it's not just, um, you know, you're not looking at numbers, you know, it's not just that. You're looking at, um, as I mentioned before, the communication. So you're looking at WhatsApp, you're looking at um, behavioral analytics around transactions, what is normal behavior, where is money being transferred. You're also looking at what conversations are taking place from a, um, a telephone call. Um, yeah. You're looking at HR data. You're looking at sanctions lists. You're looking at everything. So you're trying to build this picture, and that's that's the challenge. Is you're trying to build a picture for something that probably hasn't happened yet, but you're trying to then say, well, where is the market? Where are these markets moving? And and where do we need to analyze? Sure. And do you see this? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of data points, like for for each specific, um, even like a specific transaction. This data points sound huge. How do you see that? Do you see that ever growing? Is there is there going to be a limit to it? What 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 do you see as the changes to that coming in the next couple of years? Well, I think uh, you know most likely it will be ever growing um, yeah. because we're. <laughs> We're, we're managing to derive data from from actions that didn't have data in it previously. So sure. it's you know it's and all of those points are, are they build a picture. So anything that builds a picture, um, you know, we see it all the time with you know even the watches we wear now admit they will create some sort of data trail. So I see it as never ending. There obviously there are new you know there's only so far you can actually go with the technology that you have at that that time. And you know some may say in this industry we'll always be behind the curve, but it doesn't stop us from trying. Yeah, and you see, you you service quite a, a broad um, a broad subset of customers across different industries. What are you um, What are you finding that you're working on most in the fintech space? Almost definitely the, the explosion in wealth tech. I think that uh, the access to the investment market now is is is, is great because everybody can access that. Yeah. Um, but also it just means that there's just so many more people accessing it, you know, and we're, we're getting down to the stage where people are investing in fractional shares so that we're, we're, we're trying to make it as accessible to everybody. And just because they are so um, agile and innovative, those, those firms, the regulators have a, a real focus on, on them and therefore, you know, and, and actually because we're quite agile as a firm as well, we, we invest in the latest tech. Um, we align much better than dare I say it, than our traditional client base of the, um, sort of stuffy, more traditional houses, um, that we service. So that role that you play for them is on, uh, is, is, is on a, is on a transaction monitoring and, and re- reporting to the regulator. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So it, it'll be the case of if it's, um, I don't know, investing in shares, et cetera. There's, there's a certain number of um, fields that one has to, about the transactions, so, um, who has actually um, conducted the transaction with the counterparties, et cetera, uh, and a number of um, data points around the trade information. So we, we uh, report that to the various regulators, whether that be uh, the FCA, uh, AMF, uh, et cetera. The, the list goes on at MAS in Singapore. Um, there's, there's about, well, there's, there's the G20 countries that we essentially um, uh, work with at the moment from a regulatory point of view and the full um, EU spectrum as well. Sure. And do you think, I mean, you mentioned this, the explosion in this space, and it, it, obviously it's been huge. We, we've, we've, we've all noticed it. And I think that's come from, partly from, from, from the pandemic, right? Having, having uh, and in general, better financial literacy. Do you think that's going to continue for the next couple of years? Yes, I, I think that there, well, at some point there is going to be a um, a consolidation, but um, it, it's the sort of the newest shiniest toy, if you will. Um, and I think that if we see where the investment is coming and, and the numbers have been big over the last um, two years, that it, it seems that 
the money that they're raising and the, and the multiples are, are crazy. And I don't see that that will slow down in the sort of near future. Um, but we might tend to see a consolidation much in the same way that we saw with, I guess, digital banking and, and a few others uh, a few years ago, um, mm. where some some really rose to the top um, there. And I think that we'll see the same as well. They're all finding their little little niche at the moment. You know, we see ones, the wealth tech platforms that are trying to differentiate themselves um, with their various USPs, but um, they all have uh, a lot of value in, you know, whether it be investing for under 18s, whether it be um, ESG investing, whether it be whatever the, the, the spin is on it. Um, eventually, I think we will see a consolidation across the market of all those wealth, wealth platforms um, where you can actually provide all of these different angles um, under the same banner. Sure. I, and I agree with you. I still think there's uh, there's going to be a bit of time before that. Um, but yeah, I suppose that might end up being a, a, a small inevitability. Mm-hmm. Um, Taking a more b- b- broader look at the, the, the reg tech, um, because again, it's 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 your it's your area of expertise. Um, I'm sure the listeners would be keen to know about what your views are going to be on on the regular reg, reg tech landscape for, for for the coming years, 2022. What, what do you see those key trends are going to be in the industry? Well, I, I'm over hopeful that there will be uh, regulation in cryptocurrencies. Um, but uh, and I think that 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 is an inevitability. Um, I don't know whether it's 22, but certainly the <laughs> a lot of the consultation papers and you know and regulators are trying to get their arms around this as a, you know because at, at the moment there's I think that the, the approach they're probably taking in relation to cryptos is that there'll be an equivalence approach. So where services and assets that perform similar functions to others, they'll tr- probably try and apply those um, those rules, et cetera. And at the moment, only on exchange tokens like Bitcoin, they're only re- regulated for money laundering purposes. So uh, outside of that, there's no real protection for investors, you know, capital risk and all of that. Um, is uh, So I think that that will be the sort of significant push over the next um couple of years will be very much in the crypto space and how they can actually do that yeah i mean i would agree with you it doesn't seem like 2022 is that again might be slightly hopeful yeah. um, but you know i agree with you and you, you you think sorry you think the regulator would take a very similar similar approach to to other to other assets you think yeah well that's what they've done historically in terms of when they can't actually pin um pin it on you know if we talk the very very basic in terms of equity markets there's they're they're fairly easy markets to actually regulate um and every every time that a, a new wave comes out of the or a new asset class whether it be um some sort of derivative or the bond market whatever it might be um mm-hmm. and, and the crypto is the same they they try and give it some sort of a level of equivalence to um to what has gone on before um and and that will be the initial approach, and then also to mitigate the risk in terms of on the wider market of using those crypto assets as well. Mm. Yeah. And you, are you excited about anything else in the, in the fintech space right now outside of crypto? Or do you think that's the most like key and 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 and, and, and relevant? Yeah. Trend? Well, I, I like the certainly going sort of back to the the investment space. Um, mm. I think that the idea of social investing uh, yeah. is is an interesting area. Um, you know, I, I sort of. Being on the regulatory side of this, I, I don't know how to feel about it because it's you know whilst you're not providing um, financial advice and and a lot of uh, our joint customers wouldn't um, ever say that they do. Ultimately, by creating this sort of social platform where uh, investors can sort of pile in and and also access the investment market alongside that that social um, space, 
you, you tend to then end up with a almost like a quasi advice or quasi movement, um, if sure. you will, in terms of the way the trend of the market goes, and it can move very quickly. Um, and then we can see in the case of somewhere like Reddit, etc., um, as we saw with GameStop, that you know the market can move it, for the better or worse. Whether that's <laughs> up to discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's um, you know, but that that is an interesting space, and and certainly from our side of the fence, um, being able to actually regulate, and we'll get our hands around that and, and see. And certainly in the case of um, potential financial crime, um, it presents a, a significant challenge. Yeah, absolutely. With um, with with those two things in mind, the investment space, social investing, and crypto, I'm 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 keen on what's. Uh, or if you're allowed to tell me what's what's next on your roadmap for eflow um you must have lots of uh, decisions to make yeah yeah we we are you know we'll, we'll be very open about it we um we talk about sort of unstructured the unstructured data world that we work in so we work in a very sort of stifled old you know, structured data, um, we're just dealing with big amounts of data. And that's not really the, the sort of interesting part where we're just um, reporting um, to various regulators, et cetera, or on behalf of our customers. The, the, the area that's really interesting is this analyzing of all these unstructured data points that I mentioned a few minutes ago. It's, it's where we're looking at um, social media, whether it be Reddit, whether it be Twitter, et cetera, and how a market will move in relation um, to what's out there. Um, yeah, sure. And, and, and potential inside information or manipulation off the back of that. Um, all of that and, 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 and the behavioral analytics around that is what I find in the same way that those that are, that are on the investment side and they're, they're creating these, uh, these platforms will enjoy that part of it. I enjoy actually, well, uh, how do you analyze this? How do you work with that same data set to prevent financial crime? So we're developing a number of solutions to to harness that data, whether that be through third parties, whether that means actually accessing that data um, through the web ourselves. So okay. we're, we're we're combining all of that and trying to blend it together with all of these other data points to build individual profiles of um, proponents within the ecosystem to see whether they are conflicted. And that will actually extend right beyond the data points, but it will be comparing against sanction lists, politically exposed people, those sorts of things. And we'll be using all of those data points to actually build that picture up for, for our customer base. Look, Ben, it's been a pleasure speaking today. Thanks for coming in to join us. For those who want to find out a little bit more about eFlow, find out a bit more about you, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Same as always online, if we just go to www.eflowglobal.com and we have all the socials and LinkedIn, et cetera, so they can find us there. Brilliant. Look, once again, Ben, thank you very much for joining us. Look forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.